Welcome to Mindful Escape, the podcast that helps you find your purpose and your passion. My name's Leighton Jewett and I'm your host and today we have Nick on the show. Nick worked at Google for over 13 years and talks about his experience of burnout and being stuck in the golden handcuffs. This is a really exciting episode and he goes really deep into his experience with burnout, his experience with this transition and gives really good advice on that change from corporate world to starting your own business. Stay tuned and we'll jump straight in. Nick, thank you for coming on to Mindful Escape. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. So yeah, I'm Nick Whitaker. I am recently left the 13 years in the corporate world. 25 if you count my prior time in big media and big tech. And I've now switched over my attention to helping tech workers who are stuck in unhealthy teams and building a community of folks through this organization called Changing Work, which is really designed to help change work from the inside out. So we're helping to surface some of the best practices, thought leaders, and experts in the organizational health space and helping them get to the right people that need their help. Wow. Amazing. That sounds so good. So how long have you been doing this? When did you start the transition? Yeah, well, it's interesting because it's a tricky question. Uh, officially, I started the transition at the end of March, but I would say I actually really started the transition two or three years ago. Uh, I had been working, as I mentioned, in corporate for a little over 13 years. And uh, particularly during the pandemic, I had started building a side hustle, uh, doing coaching and supporting people who were struggling uh, with the transition during the pandemic. Here in the United States, tens of thousands of people all of a sudden were working from home feeling isolated, not used to remote work. And I had actually spent the vast majority of my career working in a remote experience. So for me, it was like, oh, there's a lot of skills that I've learned over the years, a lot of things that I could help people during this particular transition. Um, so I jumped in, started doing a little bit more uh, training around coaching. I had been doing quite a bit of mindfulness facilitation and instruction internally at the company and had actually scaled our mindfulness and meditation program to several thousand people worldwide uh, during the, uh, the pandemic. Um, but it wasn't until actually the layoffs came uh, here in January uh, at Google. They laid off about 12,000 people at my company, uh, and I got caught up in that. So what I had previously designed as a five-year plan to work a few more years in tech, figure out a couple other little bits and pieces about running an online business, and then finally retire from corporate and then focus my full attention on my coaching business, that five-year plan turned into a five-month plan. So here I am, uh, five or six months in, actually, as of today, uh, trying to figure all this out. Yeah, wow. Because, I mean, you so you left, or you started this about three months ago in March. I remember, I think we crossed paths on LinkedIn maybe about five months ago. Yeah. And I just saw your content change so quickly. It was like one minute you were speaking from, like, in your corporate world. And then next minute, it was very much focused on mindfulness and helping people and I was so intrigued by this like rapid change um so yeah I was excited to hear more about your story so I guess the trigger for you was the the layoffs was that the main thing that sped this up for you or is there anything else behind that yeah I think that layoffs were kind of like the end the like the culminating moment that kind of like pushed me out the door involuntarily but you know I had already been 
pretty dissatisfied with my work experience uh, for several years at that point. I had had burnout uh, two or three times throughout my entire career at Google for different reasons um, and different types of burnout. And I had been deepening my mindfulness practice all this time and had actually been doing quite a bit of training with uh, Jack Kornfield and Tara Brock's uh, program uh, over the last, basically since the beginning of the pandemic, which was a whole other story. But um, the deeper I got into my practice and the deeper I got into the, this type of mindfulness-based work that I was doing, the more I realized that my values and the values of the team and the company that I was working for weren't really well aligned. So I think that was really the, where the seed started to get planted was that there's a, a growing dissatisfaction here and the environments that I was working in and the types of work that I was doing really just wasn't lighting me up the way that I had in the past. So there was a, a few seeds that had been planted that like this might not be a long-term solution and then I would probably need to find something else. So that plus just the shift in culture uh, at the company over the last few years, in particular, like during COVID and during the pandemic, um, you know, prior to that, there was a lot of talk about well-being and mental health and mindfulness and a real priority put on the culture of the company. And I had noticed that that had shifted quite a bit and it just got to the point where it really really wasn't a fun place to work for me anymore. So that I think was really where it kind of started. And um, yeah, it just all got kind of accelerated once the layoffs came. You mentioned there about values and this comes up a lot. How did you, how did you come across your values? How did you start learning to implement those into your lifestyle and comparing those to the life you were living? Because I think a lot yeah. of people aren't really aware of them or how to start incorporating them in the right aspects of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, a lot of my clients that I work with, too, it's really where we, we tend to start is trying to identify like, well, what are your values? Like, what do you care about? What's important to you? Uh, what are your, your non-negotiables? Uh, and I had been doing that work on myself and with coaches and therapists and just my own personal uh, work for years. Uh because, you know, I, I kind of fell into corporate America by accident. You know, I had my own business prior to being in corporate America. Uh, I was doing uh, media production and photography and video for nonprofits and government agencies, uh, advocacy groups. And it was an amazing period in time. It was also right, right in the middle of our like earlier economic collapse during the 2008, 2010 crunch. So it was just really difficult for me to maintain that uh, business during that period of time. And a, a random job opened up. Uh, a friend of mine had offered me a part-time gig at Google. And I was like, yeah, why not? Let me, let me see where that goes. Um, so I had kind of found myself in this corporate space that I really wasn't prepared for. I, I definitely wasn't, uh, I didn't have the mindset of a corporate worker be, it just really wasn't the way I operated. <clears throat> I was always a freelancer. I was always kind of a free agent. I like to have my own schedule. I like to have my own control over my days and going into the office and kind of, you know, wearing business casual and all of these things. It just, it was very new to me. Um, so it was probably right around that period in time that I really started to give a lot of thought to like, what is important to me? You know, like, what do I really care about? This is also right around the same time that I met my wife. This is also right around the same time that I started thinking about leaving New York. I had been at, living in New York for 13 years at that point. And ironically, actually, it's the same amount of time that I was working at Google uh, before I let, got let go. So, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking a little bit about change and transition and what I noticed was like during periods of change and transition, it's really, really helpful to understand clearly, you know, like what it is that you want out of life and, you know, what you care about and how you like to show up in the world so that you don't transition into something that's 
less favorable or not exactly aligned with what your what your needs are. So it was a lot of personal work, a lot of personal exploration, uh, and then putting down pen to paper. You know, a lot of journaling, a lot of introspection to kind of figure out, like, okay, here's here's me. This is what this is what I can stand behind. And then it was a slow process of trying to find different types of roles and different types of uh, people to surround myself with that help those values come out more fully. Yeah, that's really useful. And I think for anyone who's listening and hasn't done any values exercises, it's so useful. Um, And I think, like you say, like speaking to a coach or a therapist to kind of give you some direction on how to work with those is so useful and just saves you so much time in the long run, right? Because otherwise you just end up doing stuff that doesn't align with your values and you're not really sure why and you start creating conflict within yourself and you start feeling stressed and Mm -hmm. unhappy. It's just, yeah, an endless cycle. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think some of the early indicators for me, you know, it really, I think, came with that first round of burnout. Because my my values that I thought that I had at the time were not actually the values that I really cared about. And it, I think it was because of my experience of burnout uh, that it really highlighted the types of behaviors that I was exhibiting and the type of lifestyle that I was living was not aligned with what I needed. And what that really looked like was traveling around the world for two or three weeks out of the month, uh, traveling, teaching newsrooms and journalists how to use digital tools for storytelling, which sounds really glamorous and it sounds lovely. You know, and I got to travel to like something like 32 countries in the period in four and a half years. But if you do the math on that and you actually figure out like how much I was traveling, you know, I would go to three or four countries in a two to three week long period. So it was airport, conference, hotel, newsroom, airport, you know, it was just like over and over and over again isolated, not really connected with people. And while you do get to learn a lot about yourself when you're traveling, especially when you're traveling internationally, um, the big thing that I learned was that I was lonely. You know, and I actually wanted to be closer to family and closer to people that I cared about. So that was one thing that started to come up. The other thing was just like the grind of that work. You know, it was nonstop. You know, I would I would be on traveling. I would end up at a conference and have to be on and presenting. And I'd go back to the hotel room and do all my email and do all my meetings and things like that in between. So I was working like 15 hour days on a regular basis. And it just became really clear to me that like this was not this was not a sustainable way of living. And as much as I love being in front of crowds of people and as love, much as I loved helping people learn, you know, this wasn't the way that I wanted to go about doing it. So, you know, I had made a decision to travel less, to be more domestically oriented. And I switched jobs more into a kind of a business development role, which felt a little bit more aligned, you know, with what I was interested in, but still that didn't quite fit. You know, it was like, all right, I like partnerships. I like working with people. I like helping to ideate and come up with solutions for business problems, but this still didn't quite feel right. Um, and that was right around the time where I decided, all right, well, I'm going to pivot back into learning and development. I'm going to pivot, pivot back into education and do something similar to what I was doing when I had my own business, which was teaching people, like building training videos and, and things like that. And that was right around the same time that the pandemic hit. So it was this culmination of like, all right, I'm going to make this big career pivot. And then also the entire world pivoted. And, you know, we ended up kind of what we've been experiencing over the last few years. Yeah. It's a really fascinating story. And I'm thinking now that you've obviously gone from the freelance world into corporate and then back into freelance again. And I'm going to ask you a difficult question now, and you might not know the answer, but what kept you at the company for so long? Money. <laughs> yeah, okay, it was just wasn't a hard question. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a hard question. No. Yeah, no, it was the paycheck. It was the paycheck. You know, it's the, we got paid 
like ridiculously well at Google. It was the most money I had ever made in my life. You know, I had spent the vast majority of my life either in poverty or climbing my way out of debt and climbing my way out of poverty. Um, so when I had my business right before I joined Google, that was actually the first time I had actually made over six figures consistently for several years at a clip. Um, and that was amazing. You know, that was a, a completely unique experience for me. Unfortunately, what also happened with that was because of the struggles of the, um, the economic crisis of, of that period in time, I also racked up a ton of debt, you know, just trying to keep that business afloat for probably a year or two longer than I probably should have. There's a lot of ego there. I didn't want to let go of it. Uh, and I really wanted to make it work. So I had racked up a bunch of debt. And by the time I got hired full-time at Google, I was easily tens of thousands of dollars in debt at that point. So just by the very nature of having to pay that off, that kept me at that company for quite a while. And then I think that there was this also this element of like, I didn't want to miss this opportunity. This could be a once-in-a-lifetime once opportunity for me. So when I started working at Google first, it was as a temp, a contractor, and then a vendor, uh, which is actually three different types of ways of working uh, as a non-employee at Google. And then finally in 2015, I got hired full-time and I was like, oh man, this is it. I finally made it. Um, and at that point I had already been, I was already burnt out. So it was like this interesting kind of push-pull of this is amazing opportunity. There's money that I've never seen like before. And I'm recovering from this burnout environment and this burnout situation. So it felt in some ways like I was kind of stuck, you know, where I couldn't leave. It was probably unsustainable to stay, but, you know, I just kind of kept trying to make it work. And I think added to that is like the, the size of the company. It allows you to kind of jump from org to org or from type of role to type of role. So even though I was still at the company, I was kind of trying out different things. I was trying out different, different jobs. So it gave that sense of variety and opportunity, even just within the walls of Google. Um, but like as the company grew and as the, as the culture shifted and changed, it became increasingly difficult to feel comfortable there. So you know, if I were to look back and kind of think like, well, like where was like the watershed moment, which would have been the right time to leave. It was probably like right before I did that big pivot into learning and development. Like that probably would have been the time to be like, all right, let's get out of here and try something different. Yeah. Thinking back at it now, and obviously looking from a, a future you perspective, is there anything that you would say to your younger self, like going through those transitions and almost convincing yourself to stay there mm -hmm. is there any advice you'd give yourself or any or would you do anything differently oh there's a lot I would do differently <laughs> you know I think mostly around self-care you know I think that was a really big thing like I was ignoring the signs of burnout for a very long time and I made it about myself I thought it was a personal shortcoming of like oh I'm just not cut out for this work or I'm not the right type of person for this culture and you know, if I would have been paying a little bit closer attention, I think what I would have noticed, what I would have noticed was that the types of people that I was working with were not really well aligned with the type of working style that was, that was good for me and the communication styles that were good for me. And even just like the type of work that I was doing really just wasn't aligned. Like I'm a creative person. I like to be expansive in my thinking, you know, I like to be generative in my ideas and the type of working work and environment that I was in over time, it became more and more and more constrained to the point where literally the last role that I had, it was like shuffling spreadsheets back and forth and like creating presentations for leadership, which is not my wheelhouse. It's not what I'm good at. Um, 
So I think just paying more close attention to the signs and symptoms of burnout and how that was showing up in my experience and taking better care of myself. You know, I, th I think for years I was just powering through and it was just like, oh, if I just work harder, you know, or if I just focus on these things, like this experience will get better, but it all just made it much, much worse. So that's, that's one thing. And I think another thing that I would tell my younger self too, is just like, take it easy, man. You know, like just this like ease up, you know, cause I think like I was just white knuckling the whole experience. Cause I was so afraid of losing my job. Like that was a big driving factor for me for years and years. And it's that whole imposter syndrome and that whole like mm -hmm. self-criticism bit. It was like, I didn't want to end up living in my car again. You know, that was like the, the thought that I always had in my head was like, Oh, if this doesn't work out, like what's going to happen. So there was just an enormous amount of fear and when you're operating from fear and when you're operating from that place of scarcity, it's just really hard to see yourself being successful uh, in the long run. And I think, you know, generally speaking, I think that was kind of the, the big chunks of difficulty that I was experiencing was like that, that mindset and that approach. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to so many people who look back on their working experience and they just say, I just didn't realize I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. And you just you're living it and you're just going for it. And the the culture within the office and the people around you, it's that hustle culture, work hard, keep grinding. And you just don't realize that you're in that state of mind. Yeah. There, um, you mentioned self-care. If you had one top tip for someone who's maybe feeling a bit stressed or overworked or anxious at work, one top tip that you'd give them. Yeah, well, I would take a long, hard look at what the sources of that anxiety and what the sources of that stress are. You know, for me, you know, I thought it was lack of skill set. You know, I thought it was lack of ability. Um, and that was the lens that I was looking at my stress through. It was like the reason I'm stressed out and finding this difficult is because I don't have the skills necessary to do this correctly, which wasn't the wasn't the case at all. You know, the the, the conditions that were present largely because of the culture of the teams that I was on really encouraged really long hours, like working late at night. Um, boundaries were, were hard to, to hold and hard to maintain. Um, and it, and it wasn't really a culture that encouraged failure. You know, it wasn't a culture that encouraged experimentation. And I think all of those things together kind of built up to the scenario where like every time I showed up for work, I needed to make sure that I was doing it right, that I wasn't screwing up. And then that just kind of fed into the whole mentality of like, I'm not enough. So yeah, you know, I think be being more aware of the environment that I was in would have been really, really helpful in understanding how much of what I was experiencing was the environment and how much of it was actually me. Um, because, you know, I think, you know, a lot of these companies, they really encourage essentially giving every bit of yourself to the company um, in, in every way that you can think of. And if you're not careful about that, you'll give too much and you'll not have enough left over for yourself to, to take care of yourself and to, to be healthy. Yeah, I really love that. And setting boundaries is, for me, the first part is mm -hmm. when you start to realize and you give yourself space and you think, oh, actually, this isn't just me. It is mm -hmm. the culture. But yeah, let's um, let's jump forward a bit to so January, the layoffs come mm -hmm. and I guess you've got a decision to make right now. What was your biggest challenge at that point? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I got laid off by email at three o'clock in the morning on a Friday, you know, so wow. I actually didn't know that layoffs were coming. 
Um, I mean, there was rumors and, you know, it was pretty clear with the other big tech companies, Amazon and Microsoft and Meta had already announced that there were layoffs coming. So it was only like a matter of time. Um, but the, the situation that I was in, you know, I had been struggling for a couple of years uh, in the team that I was on. We had gone through a bunch of re reorgs. I had like three or four managers in the period of two years. I had been shuffled from like one role to another. The actual job that I applied for ended up not being the job that I applied for. Like the, the parameters changed quite a bit. Um, so just generally speaking, the environment that I was in and the kind of situation that I went was in was not favorable. So there was a lot of tension already, you know, before the layoffs even happened. And, you know, I had just gone through performance reviews and I knew that I was going to get a poor performance review again, mainly because I think it was a bad culture fit. And I was speaking out quite loudly about some of the mental health and well-being concerns that were happening on the team. And that team didn't particularly like squeaky wheels. So I think I got put kind of on a list of people that were like not particularly uh, thought well of and that became this ongoing kind of turning down of the screws, you know, more and more I was getting like flagged for various different things that I was doing. The types of feedback that I was getting was pretty clear that um, I wasn't really in a good space, you know, with the, the people that I was working with. So like leading up to that actual day where we got laid off, like I had already had my eyes on, I need to get out of this team. I need to find something else, but I was kind of stuck in the situation where because of my poor performance reviews, I couldn't really go look for another role at another team internally because not many people were going to want to hire somebody uh, with poor performance reviews. And at that point too, I had just made this massive pivot in my career where I was like, I'm going to go back to what I really love. So there was this, this tension even just around that of like, was this even the right decision? Um, so all of that kind of leading up to the, the moment where I got laid off, like you know, Friday happened. And, and then uh, I basically spent most of Friday reaching out to friends and colleagues and just responding to the fire hose and flood of feedback and, and support that I was getting on LinkedIn. And then my wife keeps on telling me in my head, it was on Monday is when I started. And she's like, no, you started about four hours after you got laid off. I started putting my, my business together. So it wasn't even like a thought of, oh, let me go apply for more jobs. It was, all right, how do I make this side hustle my full-time hustle and like make this something? Mm -hmm. And it was essentially full bore after that. You know, I took a few days off for vacation about a month after, but ever since, I think it's been 120 some days. It's been basically every day just trying to build this business since then. And with the business, what's been the hardest part? Because obviously you... I guess you had a little bit of a, a head start because you'd started building that side hustle, but I found myself and I know speaking to others coming from a, a corporate world to then running your own business where before you might've been doing one thing and now you're doing everything. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a lot of challenges. What's been the most difficult part for you in that transition? Yeah, actually, I think you named it. You know, prioritization, I think is the biggest thing because, because every choice, every meeting, every moment is critical. You know, I've got a slight, I got a small runway that I get to work with because I got a severance and I had some savings saved up, but it's not enough to really last very long. You know, so there's this, this very large fire underneath me to, to make this thing work and make it profitable. 
Um, and for me, it really kind of comes down to prioritization. Like what's the 80, 20 rule here? You know, what's the thing that I can put the least amount of effort in that's going to make the most possible impact on what I'm doing. Is that marketing? Is that building a sales funnel? Is that, you know, modifying my website? Is that, you know, bringing on a contractor to help with parts of this stuff that I can't do myself. And then it becomes like a prioritization of where I'm actually putting my money. I mean, there's, I'm sure you get them all the time, like people up in my DMs, like, here's this offer, here's the service, here's this do it for you, like, you know, solution, you know, thousands of dollars can be thrown out the window very, very quickly. So for me, it was really just about being really judicious about where I'm spending my time, where am I spending my money and, and how am I bringing on the right support to help in areas where I just simply can't uh, do as well of a job. So for example, like I recently pulled on a, a contractor to help build my circle community because I have a, a group coaching program that I'm running. I just didn't have the hours in the day to actually build that out. So I helped had her build that out for me so that I could just basically invite people to it and then have it up and running when I when I was ready for it. Things like that are kind of like the, the things that I'm most focused on right now. I'm working with a brand strategist right now to help me with some of my copy for my website and for my LinkedIn page. Um, which is a very different type of writing than the more content-based uh, con uh, creation that I'm doing, putting out posts on LinkedIn. So yeah, I think prioritization is the thing that comes up. Yeah, it's so interesting because I also found myself, there's so many different avenues that you can focus. And I, similarly to you, I often say to myself, right, where do I want to spend my energy today? Where do I want to spend my energy this week and this month? And it's when you've not done it before, it's really hard to figure it out. And then you've got all these people who want thousands and thousands of pounds to say, okay, yeah, here's the easy route. But as you say, you could be spending it in the wrong place. So it's quite tricky yeah. to work out, especially as you say, if you've got that flame under you, you don't want to be throwing thousands of pounds into the wrong direction and spending too much time focusing on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. In that transition, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? Oh, wow. Patience, I think comes to mind. You know, I think that's the thing that kind of wakes me up every morning is like, I want it now. I want it done now. You know, and I think that's very much a product of working in corporate spaces. You know, it's like, there's this, this sense of like pace and speed and get to launch quickly. Um, and I know just from my mindfulness practice, the importance of being present to the experience as it's happening. You know, and I think there's this interesting balance that I've been trying to strike of just being present to like what I'm learning as I'm moving along, but also looking at whatever that launch is or whatever that milestone is and finding some sort of a balance between those things. You know, so that patience bit, you know, it's hard because you see your declining balance go down every month and you see the efforts that you're putting out there to try to attract new clients. And like, I'm getting clients and they're coming in, but it's like little drops in a bucket as opposed to like what I had experienced before, which is like this ready, really steady and predictable income that I just had everything on autom automation. Like I didn't have to worry about it. Just money came in, money went out. And like, I ended up with extra at the end of the month. Like that is not the case anymore. You know, so just being patient and being present to that whole experience and being really judicious, I think has been been like the most important part uh, to focus on. And it's still something I'm working on. Even just last night, I was kind of like having that, that typical entrepreneur doubt of like, am I, am I doing the wrong thing here? It's been a little over five months. You know, I almost have as much time left in the year as I've already spent in the year. Um, is this still the right path? You know, and that pops up from time to time. And I have to keep telling myself, no, no, just give it time. You know, like this is, this will work out. Just give it time. Keep working. Yeah. I've got a big grin on my face because I, I can really feel you. It's, 
the same experience. You have those days and you're like, yeah, do you know what? Everything is working out here. And then you have those days and you think, I'm not sure about this. But yeah, yeah it's a real It could be in the same day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the most frustrating part. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree with you, patience. And um, I've realized now, actually, I, I must have started around the same time as you. It was about five months ago that I started posting on LinkedIn and um, pushing my life coaching. And it was, I've realized the effect of compounding. And mm. at first, you're putting stuff out there and you're getting absolutely nothing back. And as time goes on, it slowly starts building and building. And I guess that's with the business as well, right? You're getting the drops in the bucket now. But as time goes on, there'll be bigger drops. Yeah. And that's the hope too. And you're right, you know, with the compounding effect, you know, particularly on LinkedIn, I think it's really interesting. Like that's where my main focus is, is LinkedIn. And it's unique in the sense that like things that I posted five months ago are still getting views. Like still people come across them from time to time. And I get regularly, at least once a week, somebody reaches out and they're like, I've been following your content for months. Thank you so much for what you're sharing. You know, it really helps like, you know, make my experience feel more real you know, I just really want to support, you know, what you're up to. Thank you. You know, and, and that really like is, it makes it worthwhile. You know, it's like, okay, like I'm doing something important. I have a message that people are resonating with, you know, and I just, you know, like my only ask is like, yeah, tell your friends, you know, <laughs> like, you know, if you know somebody that's interested in getting some coaching <clears throat> or needs some support, you know, like reach out, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. What, um, if you were to, give some advice to someone who's going through a transition that you were let's say two three years ago when you're kind of like unsure about the corporate world whether you want to go out on your own whether you're going to start that side hustle what is the best advice you'd give to that person yeah well it's funny because that's my ideal client that you're describing right there it's essentially me two or three years ago you know it's, it's the person who's got the golden handcuffs on uh, that is uncertain about their future. Maybe they're afraid of losing that job or they're afraid of like what the unknown of not working in that type of environment might be like. Um, they know that there's a dissatisfaction there and that there's something that's tugging them. Maybe it's more creative life. Maybe it's more freedom with their schedule. Uh, maybe it's location independence or something along those lines. But because of the role that they're in, they're just not able to really take advantage of that. You know, and, and what I typically like to do is like work with people that are in that period of transition, you know, where if we can get them in a period of six months from like this place of like confusion and lack of clarity and lack of a plan to actually starting to take steps, moving to themselves towards whatever that future is like, that's, that's the sweet spot for me. So, you know, I think at the very first you know, glance, you know, the things that I like to work with my clients on and like to share with them is like, look, you need a plan, you know, you need to do that work ahead of time. Um, and I think even before that, a step before that is to stabilize the situation that you're in. Because a lot of folks like myself, when you're in that environment, it's a, it's a period of instability and it's a period of disruption. And it's that urgency of like, I need to find something. I need to find a solution and, and do something different. And it's like, hold on, slow down, be present to your experience, you know, be aware of what uh, is driving these impulses and like what is capturing your attention, focus on values, focus on the types of environments that you want to work in, the types of work that you would like to do, what makes you happy, what lights you up. These are all really critical questions to ask yourself before you step into something new. Because what will often happen is people will just jump and they'll jump to basically a, a similar version to what they were already in previously. And it just pushes that problem further down the road. 
you know, so doing that work ahead of time and that takes time, you know, and it takes patience and it takes some clarity. So you need to have that calm environment, mindfulness skills and, you know, well-being skills are really key during that period of time. So we'll, we'll typically build those skills first, then start to do some of that values-based exercises and try to get an idea of, of what types of work or what types of environments people want to be in. And then it's putting together that plan and actually sketching that out. Well, what does it look like, you know, in six months? What do you need to do to get to that six month goal? You know, what are the daily practices and the daily things that you can put into play to incrementally move you towards that goal? Uh, so yeah, I don't know if that's advice. It's more like coaching, but that's that's a hundred percent like what I work with my clients on. Yeah, and you mentioned something really interesting about jumping into something else is that putting you into a similar situation. And I was speaking to someone the other day, and his mentality was, "I'm not happy in my job." So I'm going to go and find another job. And the job that he's looking at is basically a similar sort of thing, but he's maybe looking for a bit more money or a bit more flexibility. But ultimately, he's going to be in a similar situation. He's still going to be unhappy doing what he's doing. And he's spending so much time and energy focusing on looking for another job that it's taking him away from his current job and stopping him from doing anything else potentially. And then when we have the discussion, like you just said, start thinking about your values, start thinking about what you like, what you don't like, where you want to spend your future, how you want to be in the future. A common response is, well, I haven't got time for that. Mm -hmm. Do you get that a lot? I don't get that as much, but I think that underneath the objections that you get to people even starting coaching in the first place is that that mentality. I don't have the money to spend, or I'm not willing to spend the money because I don't know that it's going to pay off. Right. And I think that's either a lack of confidence in the coach themselves or the lack of confidence more often in the individual. Like, I just don't know that I'll do the work. Um, that often manifests as like a time scarcity. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't have the time to do this. I just want somebody to do it for me. And unfortunately, like, that's just not how it works. You know, like you could go and pay a guru or you can go and pay an expert to like map all this stuff out for you, but there's no agency there and there's no real embodied experience there. So, you know, sure. You might be painting by numbers and you might be following along a plan that is not that dissimilar than the plans that you maybe have followed all your life. Right. Like maybe it's your parents or maybe it's society that was like, yeah, you go from high school to college, you get your degree, you find yourself a partner, you build yourself a family, you know, two cars and a garage and a dog and a kid and whatever. And like, then you find yourself in your forties and you're dissatisfied. Well, it's not a surprise because you're living somebody else's plan. You're living somebody else's life. So yeah, you know, it does take time and it does take a lot of work, but, you know, I think if you want to find yourself in an environment that really allows you to thrive as an individual and if you want to find yourself in a, in a lifestyle that really resonates with the type of person that you want to be, you have to do that work. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to take three weeks off and figure all this stuff out, or I'm going to take a six month sabbatical to go find myself. Sure. Like, that's great. You could totally do that. But I think if you think more along the lines of like, what's like, again, that 80, 20 rule, if I spend 15 or 20 minutes a day journaling and being thoughtful about what I like, what I don't like you know, what lights me up? What am I good at? What do I suck at? You know, like just really basic questions. If you do that for 10 or 15 minutes a day, cumulatively over a month or two, you'll have the answers that you need. And then again, another month or two after that, you put that plan together. And if you have a good coach or a guide to help you really stay accountable to that, then you have some possibility there. 
Yeah, no, that's great. And as you were saying, it just made me think of one more question. I'm going to try and squeeze this in. Um, because similar to you, people thinking about making this transition are going to start on their own. They're often coming from more senior positions within companies. And coming from that position, very often they're delegating a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then coming to start their own business, kind of what we touched on earlier, you're then taking on all the tasks yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you find that people struggle with that taking on that work and they want to kind of just delegate it out to other people? Or how do you find people make that transition? Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the folks that I that I attract, it's not senior leaders, you know, and it's not people in senior positions. It's more like individual contributors. It's people that have been in their career for 10 or 15 years. Uh, a lot of engineers, a lot of people in, on the business side of things, but more on sales or more in kind of like more of the marketing or operations side of things. So I haven't experienced that specifically, but, you know, I think what, what comes up for me with that is, you know, the neuroplasticity that we that we have inherently and our ability to learn new things. I think people forget that, particularly after working in a corporate environment for many, many years, because it's comfortable, right? Um, and in fact, I think what happens is people's scope of role and scope of responsibilities shrink, whether that's because they've been delegating or because the type of roles and organizations they're in really kind of like compartmentalizes quite a bit or silos people. So in the early days of Google, it was much more of a scrappy kind of a startup mentality. The roles that I had, it was wearing multiple hats. It was doing all of the things. And then as time went on, my role became, you know, just very singular. I'm, I'm managing this one process and I'm doing this one thing. And I think it's hard for people to kind of switch from that like monofocus, monotask type of a, an approach to, to work to kind of expanding out to this broader view of like, yeah, I need to learn the sales and the marketing and like all the other pieces that go into it. And I think that's maybe what kind of stops a lot of people in their tracks is like, I don't know if I can learn these things, particularly as you get older. And, you know, I think this is one of the things I really try to encourage people to think about is like, look, if you're in your 40s, your life has just started. You know, there's there's literature out there that talks about this. Um, there's a one really good book, Arthur Brooks from Strength to Strength that I really like. And he really talks about that difference between fluid intelligence and crystallized intelligence. Fluid intelligence is really the hustle, you know, youth. I can learn anything. I'll just pick it up and learn it and do it. Um, the crystallized intelligence is more along the lines of like, what is the history of everything that you've learned? How do you bring your entire lived experience plus the knowledge sets and skills that you've, uh, you've developed to create something new, to reinvent yourself? And that's really the way that I try to approach a lot of folks that I work with is like, look, it's not about necessarily learning new skills. It's about learning how to leverage what you've already learned and what you already know in more effective ways so that you can reinvent yourself and you can pivot. And that might look like, kind of what I'm doing, you know, diving into marketing, diving into sales, like learning pieces of the, the flow that I didn't have a tight grasp on previously. And where needed, supplement that with support and bringing other people online to help you in areas that you're not as strong at. Um, I think a big piece of that too, is just learning how to say, I don't know, and learning how to ask for help. I think that's another thing that people get really tripped up on. They feel like they need to know these things and they need to be the expert in the room. And it's like, look, you know, none of us know what we're doing here. We're all figuring this out as we go, you know? So maybe it's a quick DM conversation with somebody on LinkedIn, or maybe it's, you know, reaching out to a colleague that's done some of this before. Um, but just trying to think a little bit more expansively about the approach and how you're going about doing these things. 
And I don't know if that's delegation necessarily, but I think that's just being a little bit more realistic in terms of what one individual can do and how to take advantage of your network. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I really like that point about asking for help, asking other people's advice. And we're, we're living in an age where there are so many people you can speak to online. And I don't know if you found it as well, but I found with LinkedIn specifically, people are so helpful. You you lean on each other, you ask each oh, other yeah. for help, you see what other people are doing and say, how did you do that? And yeah, everyone has different skills and you help each other out. It's really amazing. And maybe coming from a a more senior role you might have that fear around maybe asking for help because you're used mm-hmm. to being at the top of that ladder but yeah absolutely it's the best thing you can do um, yeah. I think we'll finish up there Nick that's been amazing like so much good advice thank you so much where can people find you online yeah yeah well so you can find me easy at my website nicholaswhitaker.com it's in the process of a major renovation that was actually one of the things that I reached out for help from another person to help me fix up my brand so nicholaswhitaker.com you can also find me at linkedin if you just search for me nicholas whitaker i should pop up pretty high on the on the rankings there and i kind of live on linkedin these days so feel free to reach out and hit me up in the dms brilliant thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me it's good to see you And there we have it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found value, make sure you share it with a friend. The biggest takeaway for me was around aligning with your values. It's so important that if you're living and working in a place that doesn't align with what's true to you, then you're going to become unhappy and depressed. I had a chat with Nick after the show and we came up with a couple of points that we thought would be useful for you. One of them is around mindfulness and something that we're both so passionate about and practicing mindfulness more often. If you want to know more, check out either myself or Nick on LinkedIn. And we're always posting stuff about how you can start implementing mindfulness into your day today. The other thing that we wanted to bring up was about trusting yourself. It's always difficult to make that leap, but believe in yourself. And no matter at what stage you are in your life or your career, you have the opportunity to learn, you have the opportunity to grow, and there's so many resources out there. So trust yourself and go for it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you same time next week.